Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, while you guys have just been doing your life, we've been, we've been sitting here discussing the stories in Mark, and we've been doing a lot of miracles. Um, well, we haven't been doing them, but you know what I mean. But we're about to hit, I think, a very important warning, and some of which you covered in a sermon here um, back in, what was that? That was in October? Uh, yeah, yeah, the first of first October. Um, uh, about the way we treat each other and about don't let legalism or other, and I'll bring it, I'll make it more broad than legalism, anything creep in and take over your life. But we'll talk about that. Well, I'll start reading at Mark chapter eight. And um, well, actually we never covered verses 11 through 13. Now that I look at it. So I'm going to back up there. Uh, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked for a sign from heaven He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back in a boat and crossed to the other side. Just very briefly, it's kind of a transition passage. And it also sets up his discussion about Pharisees that he's about to do. Uh, The Pharisees, by the way, were generally regarded as the good guys. Um, they, They believed that it was necessary to follow Jesus, rather God, the Father. They kept the law. They wanted to keep the law well. They they were, in some ways, a restoration movement for the Jews. Uh, But what drove them, the underlying philosophy that drove drove them, even though they did much good, that philosophy was poison. And here, notice that they're not asking for somebody to be healed. Our deaf friend. In Mark, you've noticed friends brought the guy on the cot to the house where Mm -hmm. Jesus was preaching. Friends brought the deaf and mute man to him. They're not asking. We have concern. This is our daughter. This is somebody we love. Please heal them. It's like, all right, you can do a miracle. Do one. It's kind of like Herod during the series of sham trials before the crucifixion. Saying, I've always wanted to meet him and see a sign done by him. Mm -hmm. You know, no. God's not your trained magician. When he did a sign, it was out of compassion to people and also to let people know who he was. I, in, in many years of my life, I was disappointed that we didn't have a God that would just say, okay, and one of them explode. You know, just, just to really just nail him. Uh, I, had, I had an anthropology professor who every day railed against Christians and faith. I kept thinking, eventually we're going to get to anthropology, but we really didn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many days I thought, God, all you have to do is walk through the room right now. You know, you don't have to do much. I want a sign from heaven. And Jesus is up there going, no, you're not going to get one. That's not what they're about. They're not about, Jesus isn't here to fight your battle for you. He'll fight it with you. But no, that was a selfish thing. And 
Jesus could have selfishly, and by the way, this sounds very familiar. Wasn't it the devil that said, oh, show me a sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pharisees, and and going to hear more from you about Pharisees in a bit, but just see, see if you can see Jesus' frustration with, all right, kids, what have we learned? The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Now, this is an oversight because we know from other passages that women traveled with them who had money and supplied money. Mm-hmm. They, if they listened to the women... <laughs> Be careful, Jesus warned them. They pull out their bread, I guess. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Peter asked, uh, or Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? And I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just see 12 guys over there with their heads down going, 12? And when I <laughs> broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Seven. And he said, do you still not understand? Now, here's where 2,000 years later, sitting at a stage in Brentwood, sending it out to Tanzania, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Singapore, Japan, Mexico, and all all over the U.S., we would like to say, well, tell us a little bit more. How does that work with the yeast of the Pharisees? I think uh, it's a good question, but first of all, Pharisees. do you, did you want to talk any about definition of Pharisees? Um, we, we never, by the way, people have asked me several times this last, last month, say, you guys really work on that to make it go smooth. No, we don't. We don't. We sit down here. Rick is, uh, Dr. Hunter is theologian, a, a very well-known uh, preacher. He's lived in this word all, all of his life. I came from a very Pharisaical Christian group, a very narrow legalistic group. I escaped it, and I went back in trying to reform and got kicked out eventually. But I'm a scientist wrestling with Scripture. I'm a shrink wrestling with Scripture. So we just sit down, and Dave Cassily, our tech minister and executive minister, says, go, and we talk. So uh, thank you for being a person <laughs> I can sit down and have a discussion with. Oh, with that big setup. Do you, is there something we need to know about the Pharisees or what the yeast of the Pharisees means? The, the, um, the yeast, and for those of you that are looking at other translations, or looking out, you get the yeast or the leaven, uh, which is the same thing, and yeah. they're working in, into the text. But the, the, the leaven, the yeast of it is, is, and he talks about of Herod, too. He mentions Herod in yeah, this, too. Yeah, and so I see religion and culture yeah. or, or and, power. And so you, you're, you're getting into um, more the, the doctrine of the Pharisees or the doctrine of Herod. Herod's doctrine was immor- immorality. You know, the, okay. the doctrine, um, you know, his and problems. Right. Yeah, yeah, his problems have that, that immoralness. And, and, um, and so it, um, it's talking about the doctrine. And it's interesting to keep that word 
hanging with you because we use the word doctrine when we're talking about the belief of a religious tradition and mostly how that doctrine is different from those in another faith tradition or whatever it is. And so kind of keep that in because it helps you to see what he's trying to do here because we just use that word different. But the the Pharisees, the Sadducees were more the legal arm, you know, kind of, you know, and, and, and although they, they all. Legalistic arm. Okay, yeah, now I get you. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah legal, because uh, they weren't tied to the government. Right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, more, gotcha. yeah, the more legal. And, and so now when they wanted to go attack some, some, something other than them, they all ran together as one, as one group. They did that. Okay. Yeah. Now when they weren't fighting other people or they weren't going against other people, they start fighting each other. So you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, yes. and stuff like that. And they were different groups, um, and the Pharisees were more the popular group. The Sadducees would have been more upper, aloof. That yes, they were. Pharisees were the boys on the street. They were the guys <laughs> in the hood. They, okay. they, they were the ones, you know, getting the work done. They had the people, and, and all of them had their they're they're kind of flies and one of them was they didn't look at what Christ is doing the exact same way and that's where you pick up Jesus going into the temple and doing certain kinds of things and one group say yeah go get them and yeah. then the other group you know and it, it was they just kind of it's just like a person who grew up in the south may approach their movement through the United States very much different than a person that was born in New York just as what a person born in the California may approach the way they move through this country is very different from a person that's born in the Midwest. Now, when they start sharing ideas and stuff like that, and the person in the Midwest should say, I like what you all are doing out there. And the person out there said, you know what, I like this, that, you know. And so you get that kind of, of thing, you know, that's kind of going on. And that was, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a little distant bell here that's telling me that the general population were often confused because didn't either Rome or Herod set up a mandatory rotation of who ran the temple? And there's so sometimes you got Pharisees telling you, mm-hmm. and then next time you went to temple, you had Sadducees who didn't believe in the miraculous. They didn't believe in angels or uh, miracles or life after death, really. Yeah, um, yeah. And then next time you come around, I don't think his scenes were ever involved. But is that true? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I remembering that, correctly? Yeah, the, it, but it flows along the line of just like he replaced, uh, I think the, the term is tetrarchs. or just yeah, the it, tetrarchs. Just, the, just oh, as, the Greek, yeah. the tetrarchs. Yeah. Just as he replaced those depending on who was doing the best job. Okay. Because it, whatever leader, well, basically, if you were a leader of whether it was a religious group or a part of a nation group, the two most valuable things to, to the heroes was the fact that we don't want any arguing and no fighting going on down there and make sure your money comes up right, you know, that, mm-hmm. that comes to us. So those are two things. And if a, if a leader, if, if they could keep the people happy, you know, and stuff like that, they were going to keep their job, you know, and they keep that's their money true. coming the up. That's true, the Pax Romana. Yeah, yeah. they were going to keep their job. And, so, and, and they knew it. You know, that's how come, you know, when Christ and the crucifixion starts coming up, you know, and who do you want me to release unto you and stuff like that? See, he's... Part of that is him trying to avoid being pos- terminated and possibly killed, exactly. you know, over over this uproar that looked like. 
you know, or when the people, when they start threatening him, you know, if you don't do this, you are no friend of... Exactly. exactly. You're, uh, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so they, they knew where the buttons were, you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. And so, and so he would replace those kind of secular leaders a lot. Well, well, he, this thing of Judaism was pretty powerful. I mean, it was a pretty powerful tool at that mm -hmm. time. And to make those people happy, and they did a lot of concessions to keep them in. How do you... How can I handle this so that people love me as a, as a ruler, you know, and, all the time, and different things like that. And so there, there was movement uh, among them. I don't know much about how extensive and things, but I do know that, that it was um, because they were, they were always trying to, you know, uh, placate you know, whoever, you know, was in charge or the, or the, or the, the, the ruler over that section they were always doing. And then the church was no exception because they were afraid at one point in time, you remember that, that they were going to lose their ability to rule over the temple and th yeah. things like that. If they didn't stop some stuff that was going, that was going on. Yeah, you know? It's, it's kind of like, you know, Constantine fiddled around with the, with the inner workings of the church, mm -hmm. but that's not new. Government's always done that, and the the government of Herod, under the Pax Romana, you know, after uh, under Rome, was moving people about so that they they wouldn't cause a problem. Because, as you said, if you could not keep the peace as a ruler, you were kicked out and sometimes killed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Herod was among the most brutal that we can think of there. Uh, and, and but it kept the peace, and so he's known as Herod the Great. You know, you're mm -hmm. going. I'm thinking Herod, not so great at all. Yeah. But all right, the Pharisees, the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. It is. Um, I tell people it's the easiest thing in the world to become a legalist. For example, I can. Um, and by the way, legalism just means that you prove your favor to God by the things you do. By, the, by your law keeping. Let's say that this coming Sunday, um, during, we're doing a series, and uh, it's on the, the always and, and forever Messiah. But if I were just to switch over and say, can we all agree that it's a good thing to pray for 15 minutes every morning? I think everybody in the room would nod their head. Probably everybody out in the, um, in the world listening, either podcast or viewing, they would also nod their head and say, I also believe that praying 15 minutes every morning will bring us great benefits. And they'd nod. And then I say, and I think God would like hearing from his children for 15 minutes every morning. They're nodding their head. Then I say, well, then I think we're doing wrong if we don't pray for 15 minutes every morning. All of a sudden, I've made a law out of something that was just originally meant for our benefit. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they did the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath was for resting, and they turned it into this really difficult-to-survive day. Um, that's an overstatement, but they, they put restrictions, so many restrictions on you. Uh, you couldn't turn, and even Orthodox people today will not turn on a light switch, because that's work. You know, they, they prepare all the food ahead of time. Um, it's, again, I'm not sure that's what God was going for. I could be wrong. But it's easy to let legalism come in and sneak mm -hmm. in and sneak in. Uh, there was this church we knew, and I won't say, the, it was a major U.S. city. They had decided, we're dropping all that. 
we're going to preach freedom in Christ. Which you and I would go, yay, good thing. Six months later, the guy called me and he goes, we can't get people to come to Wednesday nights. And I said, well, you gave them freedom. <laughs> what do you expect them to do? You told them that you know, they could be free in Christ and, and yet you're still trying to shuttle them through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wednesday nights are fine. Should they be mandatory? Of course not. But that's one legalism. But there's another one that troubles me a, a lot more because it's more subtle. There's the, the, uh, the yeast or the leaven of arrogance and violence and um, politics to where you will get Christians unfriending each other and then not talking to each other and then homes divided because you voted for that guy we voted for this woman you did you stand there and there's an there's a phariseeism a legalism that has no religious connection at all it's all about power and politics mm-hmm. that it is so easy to open up twitter now called x for some bizarre reason and decide just to check the the feeds for a few minutes and then three hours later you're mad at everybody mm-hmm. You know, and it, so um, it brings me back to C.S. Lewis. And I know I'm dancing about here. I got to mm-hmm. turn it back over to you. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, if you have a sewer pipe that ends in your living room, the worst possible decision would be to open the pipe. And he was referring there to television and radio from back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. I think we need to think about our phones, our social media, are the news and also our conversations and who we're having them with, where are we having them? If we're having them on the street corner where everybody's smoking crack and meth, mm-hmm. probably not smart. The leaven will get into us eventually. Um, what was it? The old grandparents used to say, if you lie down with, do- with dogs, you'll get fleas. fleas. All right. So I think the leaven is not something we can say, oh, those people had to watch out. I think that's us. But I think the Herod side, we can say that's power, arrogance, the desire for riches. Mm -hmm. The Phariseeism is religious arrogance, rigidity. Um, Absolutely. So, and like I said, you've preached about this. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. The um, one point I want want you to make out, it it shows, the word shows up several times, uh, a few times. But in verse 17, 17, it says, But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? And I, I don't know if it was a couple of lessons ago that word hardened came up. But when we're reading through these in Mark, that word hardened is more relational to our word rebellion. Okay. Because the hardened harden is not... Just, you know, I'm really having a hard time trying to understand this. You know, can you explain? As opposed to rebellion is in, I know exactly what you're trying to do. I know exactly what road you're trying to go down to. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep you and me and whatever from going down that road or from figuring this out or for this to happen. It, it, their heart had been um, um, hardened. And um, and so it, it speaks something to the fact that that they're in an actual rebellion against God. And I think I had mentioned this before, but we understand it best 
if you have children, when you look at those children and you, and you have more than one, and you wonder, why does that one, <laughs> why does that one, I literally have to light them up <laughs> over just about everything that I, to do and to get them to do this and to move this and 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 you and you're looking and you're thinking to yourself. I wonder, does this child have an agenda against me? You know, you don't want to think that way, because you have another child that just doesn't have that problem. Okay, you know, mommy, what do you want? You know, dad, mm-hmm. what, what what do you want? They'll they'll go sit in the chair. You want me to be quiet? Go sit over there in the <laughs> chair. This other one can't. You know, simply because there's something, and all of us are different. You know, as we all know, if you have a couple of kids, you 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 know, they're 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 all over the spectrum. Uh, um, but that word is hard, and, and it, there's some sense to it teeter-tottering around the fact that, that there's rebellion built into us because of sin, okay? And we have to, to varying degrees, depending on the talent, that we have to fight that out, you know, because we get hardened. Sometimes we find ourselves being hardened against the very thing we know we ought to be trying to do to make this thing work. And that's when it gets crazy because you, have you ever, ever asked, why, why, did you, why did you steal this when we've got all this food at what? And the child, invariably, when they say, I don't know. Yeah. Huh? yeah. You, you know, everything they they don't know, and and we go, you know, as a, an adult, you you ready to go off uh, mm-hmm. if you all understand that. You know, you ready to snap at, at this because you don't you don't need to do it because it's something inside. Now, most grow out of those phases; they grow up, but some never do. Some never deal with that thing um, inside, and so that that heart has to be dealt with because that if if we if an individual doesn't come to terms with that surrender to God then this, this hardness, this rebellion is always going to be an issue in, in their life to the point of personal frustration, maybe even bordering onto this, why am I always depressed about? And, and you, you have that feel covered. I can't go, I can only <laughs> go down so far, and I realize i got to park the car because this is as far as my studies allow me to go. But even point to that thing, you know, uh, lighting up the depression and all the aspects right. that come along with it. You, you know, one part of it feeds another part of it, and they can't ever get out of that, that cycle, you know. and then, you well, know. I'll give you an example. Um, I can remember a young lady that came in. She'd already been to several others for, to treat her depression, and I was basically, I was the one they sent people to if, if the other guys couldn't fix them, right? Uh, and that's not meant to be an arrogant statement because often I didn't fix them either. Uh, but she came in, and we, we worked with all the standard things. Uh, I don't do medication because uh, I'm not an MD. But I would you know, work through all the... And she was doing them, still depressed. Well, now, there are biochemical reasons for it. And so I'm... I'm ha- have you been to the physician? She told me she was. Physician was a good guy. I knew the medication was right. And finally, I looked at her one time, and I said, I'm looking in an empty bucket because everything I have in my bucket to offer you I've given you, but something's wrong. Can you tell me, can you think of anything you're doing which might be getting in the way of what we're trying to do here? And she sighed and she goes, I, not really. And I said, how do you spend your evenings? What, what do you like to do in the evening? Now, this is pre-internet and, and pre-personal phones. And so she said, I like to read. And I said, that's great. What do you like to read? She read horror novels. Uh, Stephen King, Peter Straub, that type of thing. And I'm just looking at her and going, um, I think we found something. Uh, 
Now, do I believe it's sinful to read that stuff? Nope. But if that's all you're putting in, what are you expecting to get out? You know, there's a, there's a horribly gory, awful movie years ago called Saw, which evidently people had to saw bits and pieces of themselves off to get away from a bad guy. And I'm going, who would go see that? I think they're like on Saw 6 or 7 now. And I'm going, all right, they found their market. But here's the thing about your brain. Garbage in, garbage out. If you're listening to legalistic people or if you're listening to um, music that is anti-women, anti-God, pro-sex, pro-no consequences, you're, it's going to get in you somehow. Uh, I've actually eased away when I was a young, much younger man, eased away from some friendships, you know, never telling them you're not my friend, but, but just kind of, I'm going to choose a little bit over here now because the language and their attitude was starting to get into me. And I decided, you know something, uh, your head is a sponge. You've got two ears, two eyes, two nostrils, a mouth, all of it information taking in. Um, Maybe I need to move my head somewhere else. And here he's telling him, guys, we've been doing miracles. But who are you listening to that you don't understand the miracles? It's, it's kind of like people in the streets yelling for peace. And I'm going, mm-hmm. um, have you talked to Jesus? You know, who are you listening to for your peace? Yeah. Um, it's, um, and again, I love the, the picture of him, how many did we get? Twelve. I just think that's hilarious. But uh, he's not going to stop doing miracles. He's about to do them again. And in fact, we, we, we talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. But before we leap, talk about the blind man at Bethsaida, is there anything else you want to say about Pharisees and leaven? Uh, um, just at the fact that um, in, in moving through the, the, the miracles and Jesus continuing to, to do them, the reality is, is that he's he's you have he's bringing them through to realizing that the power that Christ has in this world is not limited to you getting to heaven. Exactly. Okay, you getting to heaven because if so, then we start looking at heaven as otherworldly. We start looking at at it as the satisfaction of all the frustration here. And I don't think that that's where that thing was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. The, uh, th- this thing that, that we're trying to do is live the best life here. You know, like John mm-hmm. Piper, I'm, I'm not saying this will be your best life, but, but that's the mission that you go out on, which helps you to hopefully skirt some cynicism and different things that, that happen. You go through frustrations, you hurt, you deal with that. But you keep the focus on God, not waiting till I get to heaven to um, fix everything, you know. And and that was one of the critiques of a black church, you you know, was that, you know, that you are otherworldly. You know, you're willing to take all this stuff here because you said the guy's going to fix it over there. Well, if he fix it over there, then that means he's going to be going at folk over there. And that's not what people want. That's not what black, well, that's not what anybody wants. You know, this is a different thing. And so we we can't let it, you know, we can't let that rest over there because the guy's going to get him. And that's not, 
If so, what are we exchanging this for? This is not that. Yeah, let's, you know. let's go there instead of yeah. having to rush forward because I think what you're talking about is incredibly important. First of all, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to be good so we can go to heaven. It's to be good because our Father is good. good. It is to love because our Father is love. Um, and the first time I realized that, I, I kind of had to go back and read the Bible again. It kind of like had a different ending, mm -hmm. No. But what you're talking about is hugely important. Uh, just to the north and west of here is uh, an estate, the Belmead Estate. And you can come into Nashville and you can tour the Belmead Estate. And over there, they have the slave quarters. When you go through the slave quarters, they have little plaques up to help you understand slave life. Of course, like a plaque could do that, right? But it's there. And on one of them, it talks about one of the early leaders in the restoration movement, Alexander Campbell, and his people actually went into those quarters and taught them about God and Jesus. And at first blush, you think, oh, good, except white people told their black slaves, you can come to Jesus, you can't come to our church. And you got to be patient because you're a slave. You'll get heaven later. And that removed the burden of us to treat you as equals and to end the evil of slavery and to end injustice. Because we said, well, God will sort it out later. It's almost like, do you have loaves? Yes. We're keeping those. If the person dies, when they go to heaven, they'll, they'll be happy there. And, and it's, it was the, this idea of God will sort it out later gave birth to so much horror and mistreatment. And it breaks my heart to think of it. It really does. But when you go back through the old white preachers who were so brave that they preached to the slaves, you know, because they weren't mm -hmm. supposed to. I'm glad they preached. But their message was never let's be free now. It was always just wait. And I look at it and I wonder how in the world did nobody see this? Well, a lot of people did, obviously. Mm -hmm. The anti-slavery movement began. Mm -hmm. But the common people didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And we all learned then to not worry about justice because we can just wait until God sorts it out at the end. Yeah, yeah. And there is a whole uh, genre uh, inside the gospel, uh, you know, called the, the spirituals. And, and some of those songs are based on that, that premise too. They, there's more than one meaning in the song, depending on how you listen at it. Like, now you know, that I'm told. Sw swing low, you know, sweet, sweet, sweet cherry. Okay, God's, God's going to pick us up like he did Elijah and, and we're going we're gonna, to, you know, going to carry it home. You know, that's one side of it. The other side of it is, is that, as you mentioned, don't acknowledge God, but stay as you are because it's all going to be fixed down the road. But then, <clears throat> but as you will note, or if you if you look how gospel spiritual and stuff is today, that that they're still highly highly saying, uh, um, but w within but in a different kind of context. It's, it's kind of like a, a future based. Yeah, you see, so you may hear. Like a 
like the Fisk Jubilee Singers or something like that. They, they may sing something, and you and noticeably when they do a perform them out, out, out that different thing. Normally, those are not highly colored audiences. And when I say colored, I mean color spectrum. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about black color spectrum, because uh, people of color never really they gravitated to it when they had it, but as soon as they got past it. There's there's no current spirituals being produced that I can think of, you, oh. you, you know, what I'm saying? because the music did not ring true, and and it, and it was locking okay. them up in this right now because because the message that was there, you, you know, everything's gonna work itself out, you know, over there, and so go through this suffering and and God God has it and. And but there's a certain but you love the melody and the tone everything about music I'm not qualified to talk about but we, we, they love that but those audiences now you go to would not be you you will find all kinds of people in it but it will not be highly black folk you know just like in another country it may not be highly there it's just because of the fact that it did not ring ring true although it's beautiful yeah. music that came out at a spiritual time uh, and and those things are, are not I don't know I don't know readily I'm sure there's somebody doing it. But they're not produced because the, the the message was off kilter, like for what God was doing here, um, because it doesn't address that rebellion that's in the, just that we talk about the hardness mm -hmm. of heart, uh, um, it, that rebellion that's there. People, I can still treat you a certain kind of way, but I'm a good person because I know God. Um, that's what James Cone. James Cone is the person that initiated, that started a whole foundation of, of, of black theology, you know, black theology. He was the one that got in that. And James Cone said, is um, until, you until you're confronted with, with, until you're confronted with what it means to be a child of God, okay, you will never be challenged to change anything in your life or how you're doing it. He said, That's unless you're willing to pay that price. That, that was part of the, the, the basis you know, of his writing until you're challenged. He said, that's when you really realize whether you are a child of God you know, or, or not. It's when you start running into this, what are you going to do to change as opposed to, okay, it'll, it'll be fit, God will handle it down there. He said, until you face that inside yourself, you haven't come to where you, know, you, you, are, you need to be with God. And he was really adamant about that. Um, um, we're going to pick up some, some stuff shortly, probably that's coming up, maybe not in this level. But, um, but as I was looking at it and some of the, the, uh, the verses that come up, and my mind went instantly to Dietrich, uh, you know, to... Um, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Yeah, Dietrich okay. Bonhoeffer, you know, uh, some ethical, you know, more thing, yeah. and things that, that came up. And part of it was that him returning to his home you know, to, you know, to, to stand foot to foot with the religious people, you mm -hmm. know, that were being arrested instead of living in, quote unquote, the lap of luxury right. in this country when, when it was going on. And, and I think about, you know, you know, him. I mean, this thing cost him dearly. Yep. Um, and then all the stuff that that happened, you know, and and I am not so good a person to say, you know what, I, I may have been in and on a plot with him, you know, had I been there. I, I mean, we never you, know. You, you know, we're all people you, of you, our time, you, you know, and, and the suffering. And that's what it um, what it means. It, but this rebellion is all part of it because that's hard to, to get, especially if it's ingrained in you. You know, yeah. the main thing is, is like you can't cut that thing out.
you know, like you got a tumor, you know, they were to cut out. And, and there's not necessarily a medicine that can tone it down, like some of the psychotrophics can right. tone stuff, stuff down. This is the thing where you're letting God, you know, come in and say, there, there's, a, there's something you need to do in, in my life, you know, and, and to see it and acknowledge it. And, and they, they struggled with it here. And, and, and the apost- but the apostle, but he was dragging them through it. That's where we get back. <laughs> he was pulling them through it because sure. he, they didn't have a foundation to see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, sometimes we talk about the God of the Old Testament and the Jesus of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament was, was, was war and death and darkness, you know, and, and, you know, and he's ready to take your head off in a single. But, the, you know, the Jesus of the New Testament, that's grace, that's mercy. That's the one we, we, we love, you know, but, but that's the same family, you know, yes. <laughs> it's, it's the same kind of way. And, it, and, and, and we have to deal with both, you know, how it all comes together. Yeah, we don't want to end up being like Marcy and, and deciding they were two different gods. gods. <laughs> you know, so we, have to, we have to work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what we could do is... To sum it up with a little children's song that I used to hear as a boy, but I've not heard since I was probably five or six. But we would sing it in Sunday school. And be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. And be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. And, and I don't want people to think that that is a legalistic standard that'll save them. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, we're... we're they acted like they were more holy than me. They'd say, we don't have a television. I said, you know who else didn't have a television? Genghis Khan. That doesn't make you <laughs> righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to decide, what are you taking in? Is it helping you? Is it not? And don't decide for somebody else. You work on yourself. Beware the yeast of religious error, uh, arrogance, and cultural, political power. Because, you know, you, you have two kids, one black, one white. They don't know they're supposed to hate each other. Mm-hmm. One Jew, one Palestinian. They don't know. They have to be taught that. What if we didn't let the leaven of the world in and we stopped teaching our kids this? But I'm, I thank God for you. I thank God that he's brought us together. And we'll, Absolutely. we'll hit it again next week. All right. All right. God bless.